Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to the jungle, a tremendous Friday to you. My name is Jim Rome. Nice to have you here. What's going on? Are you ready for the weekend? In fact, I'm looking at my laptop right now. There's a reminder I'm going to New York tomorrow. Good thing I checked that out. What's cracking? Welcome to the show. We're going to start off with an open phone first hour. That's the way to go into the weekend. Strong. With some terrible telephone calls. Pick me up. Make me look good. one 636 8686 No interviews until the middle of hour number two. And then we go back to back. And the way Friday sets up, that third hour is always busy because we have the week that was. Now you might be asking yourself, yeah, but do you really, Rome? Alvy's not here. Oh, I found Alvy. I found him on Google Hangouts. Alvy and Mill with the selfie looking, overlooking the canals in Venice. It was awesome. So, which brings me back to the original point. Third hour, is there a week that was? Can I get a hell yes? James Kelly has informed me that he has a week that was. Remember the last time somebody tried a week that was who was not named Alvin DeLauro? The guy with the ponytail and the cologne. It did not go well. I stopped it right in the middle of it. What's going to happen with the flight deck tries it? I mean, the flight deck's been all about getting the plane up in the air, getting the plane on the ground, surviving and advancing. And now all of a sudden this guy's that cocky. By the end of the week, he's like, I got this, boss. I got this, boss. I've got the week that was. Man, I cannot wait. I wish I could spin the clock faster. Hour number three, the flight decks, week that was. Let's start with the matchup last night first, Thursday night football. Look, let me make the point first that there have been some very good Thursday night games. There have been some very good Thursday night games. I'm not sure that I thought that I would ever say that, but it's true. And Green Bay at Seattle was no exception. Packers come in desperate for a win on the road. And they could not have gotten off to a better start than they did. Go ahead and roll this, James Kelly. From the 25, middle of the field. The handoff goes to Carson, who runs over the block of his left guard. He fumbled the football. And it's picked up by Green Bay at the 30-yard line. Jermon Williams dove on top of it. And the Packers forced the turnover right out of the gates. Exactly what they needed. Clay Matthews forcing that fumble. Tremont Williams recovering it at the Seattle 29. Very first play from scrimmage. The kind of play that you need on the road in prime time to jumpstart a game and jumpstart a team and keep your season alive. That was great. Then this happened. Roll it. Jimmy Graham on the left side of the offensive line. The pitch goes to Jones running right. He's got a blocker inside the five into the end zone. Touchdown Green Bay. It's an eight-yard touchdown run for Aaron Jones, his fifth of the year, and the Packers cash in on the turnover by the Seahawks and lead it 6-0 with 13.46 to play in our opening quarter. Make it 7-0, just like that. Green Bay in business. You force a turnover, three plays later, you cash it in, you turn it into seven, that's how you do it. And for a moment, it felt like the old Packers were back and that they would do what they've done so many times before with Aaron Rodgers, go on a November-December run that changes the entire complexion of the NFC. Yeah, I know, I said complexion. I don't want any EJO emails or any Norvalt emails. Landscape, how about that? Landscape. Complexion, landscape. Anyway, man, it's such a joke that I've got to think like that. This is just what I say. This is just my vocabulary. It changed the complexion. Oh, great. I said complexion. Here they come. Now there's going to be an exploding pineapple factory. 
Anyway, it was right after that first TD. That's the thought. The changing landscape. Then it was a stone-cold reality after this. Rodgers under center. He's calm. Play clock at one. Takes the snap. Drops back to pass. Looks left. Pressure's coming. Breaks away. He's got some daylight. Settling and throwing on the run toward the end zone. And it's caught right at the goal line. Middle of the field. Touchdown, Green Bay. Like, they don't even know who caught it. Which was my immediate reaction as well. Who the bleep was that? What the bleep was that? Who was that? Robert Tanyan. What was that? His first NFL reception, going for 54 yards and a TD. And then back to the original question. Who the bleep was that and what the bleep was that? The real answer to both questions, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron freaking Rodgers. Always Aaron Rodgers. The number of people on the planet who make that throw on the run and make it look that easy is one. This is why there's a debate still over Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers can do that, and nobody else can. Only Aaron Rodgers can throw on the run to an undrafted tight end who had played a total of nine snaps before last night and was only in that game because Jimmy Graham was out and make it look that easy. He takes something that you've never seen before, and he makes it feel like something that everybody else can do when, in fact, nobody can. Even Rodgers said he thought that was pretty cool. He told Mike Silver, quote, that was nice. I let it go, and I stared at it, and I said, oh, yeah. To be honest, I thought it was Jimmy. I let it go, and I looked up at it, and then I said, whoa, that's Bobby. And a quote, right, that was Bobby, Bobby Tanyan. And when you saw that, it felt like the entire season had just changed in an instant, that Aaron Rodgers was going to take guys that you've never heard of and do things you'd never expect, and it would be awesome. And then... The rest of the game happened. And what happened wasn't just a matter of the Seahawks playing well, because they did, but a matter of what the Packers did. A matter of the Packers doing what the Packers do right now. Yeah, I should probably get this out of the way before much longer. I mean, Seattle won the game 27-24. And as crazy as it is to say about a team with Russell Wilson getting a huge win in primetime, they're not the story here. The story is not the Seahawks winning. It's the Packers losing again. And doing it in a way that we've seen before. The way we saw against the Rams and the Patriots just the last few weeks. Coming so close as they have time and time again against the best teams in the NFL. And then coming up short again. And now the seat under head coach Mike McCarthy getting hotter and hotter. In fact, pretty damn toasty right about now. Not just because they lost. That's part of it. But because of how they lost. That's most of it. A performance that included punting on fourth and two with 420 left and then never seen the ball again there's your bottom line look i understand the traditional thinking fourth down in your own end punt it here's your counterpoint aaron Rodgers. if you don't punt it and you don't get it seattle's got the ball in perfect field position i get that right here's your counterpoint aaron Rodgers. But don't take my word for it. Ask Seattle defensive coordinator Ken Norton Jr., who told Mike Silver, quote, Oh, my God. I was like, please, punt, punt, punt. The D coordinator wanted them to punt. Or asked Ramon Williams, quote, I want to go for it. I want to play to win. We've got Aaron Rodgers. We should play to win, period. We don't want to put it in anybody else's hands. We've got the best quarterback in the league. We've got to put it in his hands and let him do what he does, end quote. 
I mean, isn't that the damn truth? You have Aaron Rodgers. Nobody else does. Act like it. Put the game in his hands. And if it doesn't work, you can stand up at the podium, and when you're asked why you went for it on fourth down in your own end, all you have to say is Aaron Rodgers. That's why I went for it. Aaron Rodgers. And nobody's going to say a damn thing. Nobody's going to question you. And if anybody is stupid enough to, you just say it again. Aaron Rodgers. That will end the discussion. Every discussion. Except that's not what McCarthy did. And that then points to a larger issue. The problem isn't that Green Bay lost last night. It's not even that they're 4-5-1. and one. It's that they're stale. They're flat. They feel like they should be so much better than they are right now. And they should. Because they have Aaron Rodgers. And it feels like they're on the verge of wasting another incredible year of this guy's incredible career. Look, Mike McCarthy is a good coach. You don't go to the postseason nine times unless you're a good coach. But in this case, being good is not good enough. And the reason they went to the postseason nine times is not because of McCarthy. It's because of Aaron Rodgers. If he can do that with guys like Robert Tanyan in an offense that limited, what could the guy do with somebody who could really open it up for him. What I'm getting at is this. Watching that offense right now and comparing it to what the Rams or the Chiefs run or what Kyle Shanahan or Sean Payton can dial up is pretty tough because we all know what Aaron Rodgers can do or at least we know what we've seen him do. But what he could do in a different offense, what could he do if they really open it up? Because right now it feels like they've got a Ferrari and somebody's jumping, dumping sugar in the gas tank. And it's not the player, it's the coach and the offense they're running. And you don't want to waste another year of this guy's career. And that's what's going to happen if they don't make a move. Of course, they should be better than they are right now. Oh, and to quote John Gruden, well, hindsight is 50-50, not going for it on fourth and two and not getting the ball back when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback is the type of decision that gets guys fired. Because with the season on the line, you simply do not take the ball out of your Hall of Famer's hands. You just don't. Do not be one of those bags who waits until the day after Thanksgiving to start your holiday shopping, especially if you're looking for an unbelievable game. Let me talk to you for a moment about Bethesda Game Studios, the award-winning creators of Skyrim and Fallout 4. They welcome you now to Fallout 76, the online prequel where every surviving human is a real person, work together or not to survive. Under the threat of nuclear annihilation, you will experience the largest, most dynamic world ever created in the legendary Fallout universe. Reclamation Day 2102, 25 years after the bombs fall, you and your fellow vault dwellers, chosen from the nation's best and brightest, emerge into post-nuclear America. You can play solo or you can join together as you explore, quest, build, and triumph against the wasteland's greatest threats. Fallout 76 is available right now worldwide. Games play best on Xbox One. 1-800-636. 8686. Packer fans, I'm here. I'm here. Vent it out. Or if you think you made the right call, go ahead. I'd be surprised if any of you thought that was the right call. But if you think you made the right call, go ahead. I'm here. You've got your phone number. Hit me up. This email says, hey, Rome, Green Bay needs to step up and do the right thing. Showing McCarthy the door is long overdue. But you know our motto, better late than never. Regards, adults, 
with braces. Wore IRA playing street hockey with an empty can of chew. Vadi. Oh, Vadi. Hey, Vadi, let me ask you something. Say when you were growing up, you had some jacked up chiclets. And say maybe your parents couldn't afford to get braces. And you went through life with a gigantic overbite or buck teeth. And you were always kind of insecure about that. And then you grew up and the technology advanced and now you can get your teeth fixed. Wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you, Vadi? James Kelly, getting comfortable. What does Jewel have to do with anything, James Kelly? Well, I get it. She's got bad teeth. That's funny, James. Keep it up, James. You're acting like a guy who's on his last day. Now, what's, what's better? My favorite thing, I, I have no... I don't think there's anything weird about adults getting braces. That's great. It's never too late. It is never too late. If you can do something to make you feel better about yourself, why would you not do that? Now, the thing that I like are athletes who got braces because they were roiding up and their heads got too big and their teeth shifted, so they had to fix them. Now, that's cool. That's cool. Roiding out of your mind to the point that it's changing your jaw, your head, and your teeth. That's cool. Signed to athletes who get braces who didn't need them before they started to roid. Dear Jim, what's up, playa? I loved McCarthy's decision to punt on fourth and two because it looked like a long two to me. Regards, Jason Garrett Top. Mike in Buffalo, the godfather of the crank counter. War loopholes. There neither. There are no loopholes and there is no crank counter. Dear Rome Slice, Mike McCarthy made a dumb decision to put on fourth down with 420 remaining. Was that dude high? Signed Hawk, not moving his car off the street. Casey in New Hampshire. If you're going to make that decision, you damn well better get the ball back. And they didn't. And if you're going to make that decision, you best not have Aaron Rodgers under center. And he did. At Shocks Rock 17 tweets, please start the show with a, hey, flight deck, give me a deck of yeah. And Bruno Garrett one tweets, Jim, you and James Kelly can do the week that was. I'm doing the Alfredo. Ciao, Alvin. Okay, so I've done the math on this never-ending pasta bowl. 42 different sauce and pasta combinations. Oh, you do the math. I'm doing the Alfredo. <laughs> Out of Garden's never-ending pasta bowl with new Asiago garlic Alfredo. Alby's in Venice, and I don't mean Venice, California. He's in Venice. He sent me a picture of he and Mill with the selfie over the canal. Awesome pick, Alvy. You know, he was like, oh, great, Mill. Look at this. Look at Van Smack hit me up on Google Hangouts. Great. Way to go, old man. Can me and the wife not get away from the kids and go to Italy without you hitting me up? Great. Hey, Mill, let's just get a selfie done over the canal and get him off our ass. And then you and me, Mill, can get nice again. Last night here, Mill, I cannot wait until you come back, Preggers, and then I tell Van Smack that I'm taking nine more weeks. How you like me? The forehead man can't do that for nine weeks. Trust me, Mill, they're going to be digging me. I'm going to say, hey, Van Smack, tell me how my ass tastes. Give me my nine weeks, son. 
We're joined right now by a center for the New Jersey Devils. He is in his 12th NHL season. He is an all-star. He is a recipient of the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy. He was diagnosed with a form of leukemia in 2017. He recorded his first career hat trick last week on Hockey Fights Cancer Night. Six goals in 15 games this season. Brian Boyle is my guest. Brian, it's so nice to have you on. How are you? I'm good, Jim. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Brian, I'm great. I'm great. So nice to talk to you, Brian. First, let me say that I really appreciate you making the time to come on the show today and talk because I know that the impact this conversation is going to have on so many people listening. Brian, to fully appreciate what you and your wife, Lauren, have been through as a family, can you start with last September? You had signed with New Jersey, which meant moving from Tampa. You were feeling fatigued. Initially, Brian, what did you think that was? So, I yeah, I just thought it was kind of either the wear and tear of... <laughs> life uh, a newborn baby a toddler that we already had we went from tampa got traded at the deadline to toronto because tampa wasn't making the playoffs played in toronto for a couple months signed july 1 in jersey renovated our house a little bit found a new house in jersey came down for training camp and by that point i was just it was getting worse and worse i just couldn't recover i just felt like i had been through a tough workout after about 10 or 15 minutes and it was, it, I, I was worried it was probably like Lyme disease. We live on a golf course back home in, in New England. And, you know, it was rampant at the time. So I, I was nervous. It was something along the lines of that. Uh, never really thinking in my wildest dreams that it was going to be leukemia. Brian Boyle, my guest. So, Brian, four days after you report to camp, you announced that you had a form of leukemia. Can you also take us back? What was it like? And... Brian, I've made this point so many times on this show that I think that everybody knows somebody who's been diagnosed with cancer or everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. I had this in my own family. My father was diagnosed with leukemia, so I personally know what this is like. But can you take me back? When you first received word that you had CML, what went through your mind and what was that like? Yeah, it's really difficult to put it into words. Right. It was, uh, but the best way I'd, I'd say is just complete fear. Like, it, you know, the bad luck ball was rolling around and it landed on my number. And you just, it's a nightmare. You, you have those nightmares where something bad happens to you or your family. And, and as a father now of, of two young children, I, I, we, were, I, we were married for three years at the time. And it was just, it's, it's a nightmare. We, especially when we didn't know exactly which type it was going to be or what the treatment was going to be going forward. So I, I just, I had a lot of fear. I had a, I had a fear that my kids weren't going to remember their dad. I, I had a fear, obviously, I was going to die. And it's unfortunately, like you said, so many people that you know and I know, everybody has somebody that's going through it. But the progress that's been made, like after a week, I'm on the new medication that they've come out with in the last 15 or 20 years. I'm already feeling better. So it was, uh, fortunately, and I'm, I'm so blessed to say it, that I, I'm, I was in that group that you can just, it's, it was so much easier treated now than it was 15 or 20 years ago that I'm saying it's, it's got to be a platform for me. This is my chance to try to keep encouraging people and, and try to keep this progress going so all forms of cancer can have treatment like I have and people can be better off for it and we can kind of eradicate this disease. 
We're talking to Brian Boyle. And Brian, of course, anybody who knows anything about hockey knows that hockey is a large family. The outpouring of support must have been remarkable. But shortly after that, Brian, your son Declan, who was two years old at the time, had a rash on his chin. It seemed unusual. He went to the doctor. And what did you find out then? Oh, a whole lot of nothing, really, for a couple of weeks. We, we, uh, I started rubbing his chin in the bathtub, just trying to wash off some some dirt or food or whatever a two-year-old has after a long day of playing around. And, and he cried like I'd never heard him cry before. And it wasn't much pressure. It was uh, it was really odd. And I didn't know if he just bit his cheek or something happened. And from that point on, the next couple of weeks, his, his, uh, his chin just started swelling to a really, it was an incredible rate. I couldn't believe how fast it was growing. So we were we were pretty scared. We didn't know what it was, and that was uh, let me tell you that was a hundred times harder than anything I had to deal with in my own health. Um, we went to a couple of Oral Max guys, uh, guys who are professionals, experts on the job. We couldn't figure it out. We couldn't get them to sit still for any kind of imaging. So eventually, we went to Boston Children's. We got them. We had to put them under anesthesia just to take some imaging. They were preparing us for Ewing sarcoma, thinking it was something that was growing out of the bone. My whole time, like the whole time, my wife and I are praying. We have rosary beads. We're going, just we're on our knees praying. And I, I, I wouldn't accept the fact that he was going to have Ewing sarcoma. I couldn't, I couldn't let that thought enter my head. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't have been able to put one foot in front of the other. Eventually, they did some more tests. The doc came in. He had tears in his eyes. Uh, he gives me a hug and says it's not cancer. It's, uh, it's a rare malformation um, of veins and. <laughs> That road started, and we're we're almost at the end of that road now. Thank God, because it, it's been uh, it was it was a very traumatic and difficult year for all of us. I was going to say, Brian, how is Declan right now? What's he like? He's great. Like he he had uh, he had um, a ultrasound or CT scan, rather. Sorry, uh, when I was on the road, actually, just uh, like a week ago, and he was supposed to go under anesthesia for that. He was doing so well. He was cooperating. He didn't have to go under. They took the imaging, everything, there's bone growing back into where the holes were, where the veins were kind of wired in. The swelling's gone way down. Uh, his jaw's kind of forming back to normal. He doesn't have random bleeds anymore. Uh, it's been, it's just been, uh, the last few trips to the doctor have been way more pleasant. He's been in a great mood, and he's he's back to being himself. He's a fun-loving, happy kid, which we missed for a year. He was, he was in a lot of pain. Brian Boyle joining us. Brian, I'm not even sure how to reconcile any of this. I mean, if you're diagnosed with leukemia, that becomes the most important thing in your life, but then that takes a back seat when Declan has his diagnosis, and in the meantime, you're still trying to play in the NHL at a high level. Last season, for instance, you received the call that you were an NHL All-Star. It's the call that every player dreams of receiving, and you initially said that you wouldn't play because you didn't want to be away from Declan, but your wife, Lauren, talked you into it. What did she say to you? She just said you have to go, and you know it's it's difficult to even talk about it just because of how sorry, just how uh, how much of the brunt of all the stress that she took on last year, and I had a I had plenty of motivation to play. I had a an adrenaline rush and a boost, and from just for my family, I wanted to keep playing until my my kids could remember me playing. And the league's kind of changing, and, I, and that's kind of how I used it as motivation. I got off to a great start. Um, 
it was really, really cool to be recognized. But I, he was going through a tough, uh, he was going through a tough operation that week. He was in the ICU because every time he woke up and any any kind of uh, any kind of movement he had, he would start bleeding again, and the bleeding was kind of kind of hard to control. And she said, "I got it. Like we're in Boston, we have your family around. They can come help." It'll be fine. You have to do this because of what we can do going forward with this. If you use this for the right reasons, we can make uh, a big impact. And it was hell. Last year was hell for all of us, but particularly for her. Um, Lauren was Lauren was a very successful model for a number of years. She had uh, she's very independent. She had her own life, and we got married. We had kids, and she's dedicated her life to, to me and the kids in the most selfless way that I could, I can't even really describe it to you. The way I got to play, I played 69 games last year. I wouldn't have played half that if it wasn't for her strength and how, how well she supported, kept everything together at home. And when she had to travel to Boston, sometimes by herself, it's, it's inspiring to me how, how strong she was. Brian Boyle is our guest. Brian Lauren is the NHL's hockey fights, cancer ambassador for 2018. So before you go, Brian, what would you and Lauren tell anyone who's listening right now who recently received a cancer diagnosis? Well, we, what we did and what we thought was the best way is, is you have to, number one, you can grieve. You're okay. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be sad. And, and it's okay to be scared. That's, that's totally normal. You sh- you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to have those moments for sure. And when you feel like you can, you, you have to address you have to address the challenge head on. I think it's something that we did. We've obviously number one, we've spoke with the doctors. We've made a plan. Uh, I stuck to that plan to a T and it's really the results have been great. Um, all, no matter what, we're ready for anything. At that point you're ready for anything. You can come up whatever's gonna come at you, you have to take life on on life's terms because it doesn't it doesn't necessarily work out the way you think it is it's not always fair and certainly cancer is definitely not fair it's going to come at you in every different way and we we, we hung together we prayed together we we never lost that uh we never lost that that bond uh i, I call her my the best teammate i ever had and we we stuck together to second thin. We've, we've shared some really great times together but sign of a good team is when you can stick together through tough times and that's something that I think that at some point or another everybody's going to have to go through in their lives I'm just so blessed and fortunate to have a teammate like her who has picked me up so many times when I've been really down and I've tried to do the same for her Brian Boyle my guest Brian I want to be very clear about this too I should have said it you announced that your cancer was in remission so before you leave us what was it like when you heard that news Yeah, that was kind of like a challenge, almost like uh, that was my opponent, right? Cancer was my opponent. And, you know, I'm, I'm still very respectful of that opponent right now. I'm doing everything I can. I still have to stay on my treatment. When they told me it was at all zeros, right at about 12 months, uh, that was kind of my goal. I wanted to be ahead of every milestone, and I was. And the fact that the, the research and the money that people have donated throughout the years have given a product like the one I take, uh, and I'm able to just do that and live a normal life in terms of how I, I go about my day-to-day. It's, it's tremendous. It feels like such a blessing. I, I feel extremely, extremely blessed to, to be at all zeros, to have to go through this fight, and I feel stronger coming out of it. 
Brian Boyle, our guest. Brian, I know this is not an easy conversation to have, but it's such a critical conversation. It's so important, and I know there are people listening that certainly benefited from this and were inspired by it and probably received some bad news because, as you point out, it's life. It's something that's always around the corner. We don't know what it is, but something's going to happen, and I know this inspired and helped a lot of people. Brian, I really appreciate you and your family. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, thanks for giving me the time, Jim. I, I really appreciate that. Thanks very much. Yeah, you too, Brian. Thank you very much for making the time. Brian Boyle. It's an amazing conversation. Your thoughts on that? Telephone number is toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. Man, it seems so tired for me to always say it, but it's just so true, and I'll say it again. Everybody listening right now, tell me I'm wrong. Everybody listening knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody who's been diagnosed with cancer. And for him to go through what his family's gone through, he, Lauren, Declan, and for him to share his thoughts, I know that was critical. Already, a lot of reaction. At Phoenix Tree Rat tweets, wow, what a heavy interview with Brian Boyle. That just floored me. F cancer. SST tweets, how much can one man take? Brian Boyle is the epitome of tenacity. I mean, that doesn't even do it justice. You imagine being diagnosed with leukemia and then finding out that your son had the diagnosis he had and that he was dealing with that. I mean, you, no sooner than you find out that you yourself had leukemia, you have that. And he said, whatever I was dealing with was nothing compared to the fear we had and the concern we had for our son. At Hitman Canadian, Brian Boyle is a class and an inspiration. Unwar cancer, all those things and so much more. And Lauren too. I'm gonna be totally transparent as to what's going on right now. It's Friday. We are not on TV today. We have been preempted. So on a non-TV day where we still have radio, there's only a few of those a year. So no TV show on CBS Sports Network. So the TV guys probably aren't hearing what I'm saying. At least I hope not. What that means is I rolled in here, didn't shave, didn't put makeup on. Uh-oh. Ooh, wow. And this is something else I was going to admit to. I was going to cop to that we're watching a stolen vehicle pursuit. It was a truck in Seal Beach. This is absolutely amazing. This cat just rolled his truck, and you would not believe the takedown. This cop just lit this sucker up on the curb. And when I say lit him up, I mean he lit him up with a flying tackle. That was incredible. That thing's in Los Al right now. That's not too far from where we are, honestly. It was in Seal Beach, which is a nice kind of sleepy little beach community. And this dude was flying around this truck, stolen in La Habra, here in Southern California. And he seemed to be pretty casual, like he was eating sunflower seeds or something. But he's driving quickly, and the authorities were in pursuit aggressively. And then this guy turned his truck on its side. He got pit maneuvered, turned it, he rolled it, got out, and took off running. And these guys got out, and that dude lit him up tremendous pursuit from the backside. Wow. I've seen a number of these things. I mean, I was born and raised in Southern California. We watch them all the time. So I was trying to say, I'm being fully transparent. On a Friday with no TV, I'm not wearing any of my man cake. Didn't even run a razor over it this morning. I'm I'm just feeling pretty good about things, right? So I come in here and I sit down. What do I see? A high-speed chase on monitor three. It already ended in spectacular fashion. 
And I say that because nobody got hurt except for maybe the, the idiot who stole the truck. Boy, we're off to a start now. 1-800-636-8686. Quickly, at MTB, Darren tweets, you guys shouldn't badmouth Jules' teeth like that. God already did. Let's get this thing back on track. All right, so I'm looking for a telephone call. Not just any telephone call, but a good telephone call. And I think I found one. This guy's a smack-off participant. He was in the past year. He will be again next year. Let's go to Vancouver. Matt in van. Matt, what's going on? Uh, Romy, what's good, baby? What's up, bud? I love a good high-speed chase in the morning, man. And uh, it's unfortunate that the TV audience is deprived of my montage today, but uh, we'll, we'll power through. Yo, shout-out to Kyle in Green Bay for being the first person on earth to choose to go to Buffalo, man. No one chooses to go to Buffalo, Kyle. You end up in Buffalo. But that said, it's definitely a far more fiscally responsible choice than SoCal, man. At least Rick will let you sleep on his bedbug-infested futon in his dilapidated townhouse to spare you sleeping in your sled in a Buffalo winter. Speaking of dilapidated townhouses, Rome, Hawk's poverty line ass needs to start a GoFundMe page to raise the 20 bucks to order the cat versus the fat. I'm not going to support that scam, though. If I want to watch a washed-up, fat-ass bag waddle around a golf course, I'll go play around with Lef and Laguna. Or should I say Loaf and Laguna. Man, love handle Lef. We need you to call in, prove you're not the front-running bag we all knew you were. You won't call before 2019 if you ever call again. You're a fraud, bro. Peace. Matt obviously woke up feeling dangerous this morning. Rack him. Now, like the, the BIC, he will call out of smack off season and has been doing it quite a bit. Brad wanted to kind of expand his portfolio, add to it. So what Brad does now as the defending champ is he waits for me to leave and then he finds out who the guest host is and then he lights that sucker up. Loaf, quote unquote, loaf in Laguna Beach does not do that generally. Loaf does not make a lot of phone calls out of smack off season. Maybe that'll change. But if that's the case, Loaf is not the only one. There are other guys who are not calling. Other smack-off participants who are not calling out of season. Haven't heard from Vic much of late. Haven't heard from Mike and Indy of late. Haven't heard from Loaf. If I wanted to see a fat-ass waddle around the golf course, I'd watch Loaf. The Laguna Beach bully and his love handles. Hate to say it, but... Tyler and Redmonton and Matt in Vancouver calling up and hammering away about how fat we are still makes me laugh. Problem is, they're right. We are. All of us. Fat! Fat v. the cat. Are you going to throw down 20 bucks for that on Thanksgiving? 20 bucks to see something like that. Something that we've always seen for free. That's like 15 years too late. Oh, yeah, that's what I want to see. Those two guys go head-to-head. Match play. Because they've done so well in Ryder Cup play. Because they're so dominant in that format. Man, who the hell cares? The most obvious cash grab in the history of the world. Honestly, who's throwing down for that? Clones, who of you, not named Keith Arnold and Hawk, if he could afford it, are throwing down for that? Keith was front and center about, yeah, I did. I've already paid for it. Hawk was also very honest in saying, I would if I could. I got to save the money. Let me translate that for you. The wife will not let him throw down 20 bucks for that. Good, Hawk. 1-800-636-8686. This Friday is off to a smashing start. I didn't have to put on any makeup. There's already been a high-speed chase that ended spectacularly. And one call through, one call racked. 
and James Kelly's got a week that was. We're joined right now by a, a linebacker for the Washington Redskins. He had 10 tackles in Sunday's win over Tampa Bay. He leads the team with 79 tackles this season. He was an All-American and a first-team All-Pac-10 player in Washington. He was the 84th pick overall back in 2011. The Redskins are 6-3 and three this year. They're in first in the NFC East, and they're hosting Houston on Sunday. That's a 1 p.m. Eastern game on CBS. Mason Foster is my guest. Mason, great to have you on. How are you? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? Good, good. So let me start here. You dropped a tough one to Atlanta two weeks ago, but you bounced right back, and you had that win over Tampa on Sunday. Mason, as a team, you guys are now 3-0 and in games after a loss. What's it say then about the toughness and the character of this team that everybody responded the way they did? It just, you know, it's just the mindset that we have. You know, week in and week out, uh, you know, it's a grind, man. Every day is going to be different. So, uh you know, you just got to bounce back. Everybody has bad days at work, and, you know, it may not go the way that you may want all the time, but, you know, you look at adversity straight in the face and, you know, push through it with your brothers, man. As long as you got your, got, they got your back, you got their back, you know what I mean? You can make something happen. Mason Foster, my guess. All right, so as a former Buccaneer, was there any extra juice for you to go down to Tampa and play? Uh, yeah, always, man. It's always a little extra juice, you know, going down there. I love Tampa. You know, I still got a, a house in Tampa. So, you know, my little sister was there, all her friends. So uh, it was big, man. You know, I, I got a lot of good friends, Levante, Gerald, you know, Will Ghost, and all those guys are still on the team. So, you know, it was it was a good, you know, competitive game, man. And it's, it's always good to get to see your friends like that, man. So I had a blast. All right, so you've won four of your last five. You've got a healthy lead in the NFC East. I know that you're not going to start thinking about the postseason, but how good does it feel to be in the middle of November and playing games where you know everything is on the line? Uh, it, it's wonderful, man. You know, it, it's a it's a blessing. You know, I've been on teams before, you know, where you're really just playing for a spot at this point. You know, what I mean, playing, you know, pretty much trying out for next year or the next coaches you're going to have. So it's a blessing to be able to play, you know, in the middle of November, meaningful games, you know what I mean, big-time games against uh, good teams at home, man. It's getting cold, it's football weather. So, you know, you got to love it, man. It, it's big time for us. We're talking Redskin, Mason Foster. All right, so tell me if I'm reading this right. When I look at the identity of that team, it seems like the identity is you've got that nasty defense, you're going to pound the ball on offense, and then Alex Smith continues to gain familiarity with his wide receivers. Is that how it feels to you, and how do you like that identity? I love it. I love it. You know what I mean? I, I love that identity. I love, you know, having uh, OG Adrian Peterson running the ball like that, you know, big physical line, and, uh, you know, going out there and playing physical defense. You know what I mean? I feel like when if you're the most physical team, it gives you a chance to win, you know, put you in a good spot. And it's something that, you know, Jay has been talking about all, you know, since OTAs. And it's something that Minuski really wants out of his players, man. He just wants you to go be physical and play as hard as possible. And, you know, we'll sort the rest out. I got to admit, Mason, I was wrong about the OG. I really did not see him having this much in him. Like, did you know when Adrian Peterson came in? We're talking about an all-time great. You knew that. Did you know that he had this kind of physicality left, this much left in the tank? Yeah, I mean, I would never put anything past AP. You know what I mean? He came in day one and he was uh you know taking reps on scout you know i mean going back and forth and uh you know he definitely still had that pop in his step and was running physical trying to run people over man i was like that's the same ap i remember playing you know in 2010 i mean 2011 2012 man on the vikings so it's big man i think just having him in your locker room being able to go talk to him about on and off the field things you may be going through it's uh, it's big time for a lot of us man even me in my eighth year being able to talk to him about some of the stuff he's went through and how he takes care of his body and how he's still able to perform at this level 
it's a, it's, it's a big thing for this, everybody in this locker room to be yeah. able to go to him and, and get, get the real answers. I would think that's a big thing for you because I know a lot of guys come to you for those very things as well. Mason Foster joining us. Like One of the things you've talked about in the past is how much you love the mental side of the game and the responsibility which comes along with being the quarterback of the defense. So how do you go about approaching that responsibility? And then how much do you like that chess match of going up against the opposing quarterback? I love it. I love it, man. It's one of the, I'm, you know, I'm a big football fan anyway, so, uh, you know, it's great to sit there and watch it, you know, and, and see how they're going to attack your team, what, what, how they're going to attack certain fronts, you know, what the quarterback's looking at pre-snap, and, you know, being able to, you know, get the keys to, uh, uh, you know, a foreign race car like Manuski got out here, man, it's beautiful, man. He gives me the keys, let me make the checks get on the same page, and he leads up to you guys. So, you know, you love that. And I take pride in being a player who, who can play chess with the big-time quarterbacks and get my guys in the right spot to, to make the big-time plays. So it's a, it's a blessing, man. I love, you know, every second of it, even the late nights, you know what I mean, staying up late, studying, all that type of stuff, man, because it, it makes you, you know, it allows you to play fast on uh, Sundays. Right. You love the process. But, I mean, it's one thing to play chess. you got to play chess no matter what. But at the same time, you and your position, it has to, you have to lead guys as well. For instance, back in camp, Jonathan Allen said, you've got a calming effect in the huddle. He said, quote, when things are getting crazy everywhere, he's a guy who can come in, rally the troops, and keep it going, end of quote. So how are you able to remain calm when everybody else is kind of maybe going crazy? It, you know, it's one of those things I kind of learned over the years, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm still, you know, same passionate type of guy, but sometimes, you know, if you can be that, that calming, you know, calm people down, keep people, you know, ready for the next play, I realized that, you know, I could affect the game more like that. We got a lot of high-strung guys, a lot of guys that, you know, wear their hearts on their sleeves. So, you know, you, kinda, you can't have all guys like that. You need a guy who sits there, you know, can, can talk, talk you through it, you know, help you calm you down because, you know, it only takes one big play for, for the game to change. And, you know, you can't really harp on, you know, be hot, too high, too low all the time. You have to, you know, stay even keel, man. And, you know, I do that by having fun, you know what I mean, um, keeping guys relaxed, joking, you know, joking on the sideline, keeping them nice and calm and loose, man, because I feel like that's when you play your best. Mason Foster, the Redskins, joining us. Now, you are the pride of Seaside, California. What was it like growing up there and playing high school ball for the Spartans? Uh, it was beautiful, man. You know, I, I love the ocean, you know, growing right there on the uh, West Coast, man. Uh, I miss the ocean a lot, you know, but uh, it was great, man. We It was real competitive growing up, you know what I mean, from Seaside Raiders all the way up and, uh, you know, until we graduated high school. And it was pretty much the same group of guys from baseball, basketball, and football. We all stayed together my whole entire career from when we were seven years old until, you know, we graduated. And, uh, you know, by the time that we got to my senior year, my junior senior year, you know, it was like, you know, it was like clockwork, man. I, I was playing quarterback and linebacker, the same position. We had all played the same spots our whole career. So it was beautiful, man. We had a great, great four years. And, you know, it's a great, great hometown, man. They, you know, they showed me a lot of support, man. So I got to represent, represent for them the right way. Dude, that is a beautiful part of the state. That's a beautiful part of the country. In fact, you just said that you missed the water. You missed the ocean. There's something to that, right? Like I grew up in Los Angeles and then I was in the San Fernando Valley and I was not by the water. And then we moved for six months to Corona Del Mar, where I saw the water every single day. And all of a sudden, man, now I get it. Like, once you're by the water, it kind of centers you. And then when you're away from the water, it's not the same thing. I mean, can you help me explain that? You do miss the water once you're away from it. Yeah, you, you miss it. I mean, I miss it so much. It's like you take it for granted. You know what I mean? You really never notice. You know, in high school, you could look out the window and see you see the ocean, the sand dunes. You know what I mean? You can see all the way out to, to Santa Cruz. So, 
it was beautiful. Then you move away, you know, Seattle was cool, you know, because it got the water right there. But then once I moved, you know, up here to D.C., it was like, man, it's completely different, man. Everybody's talking about the rivers and lakes, but it's not the same as the ocean, man. I need to see the waves, hear the waves, you know what I mean? Go Maybe a little bonfire or something, you know, just it relaxes you, man. Keeps you nice and calm. Mason Foster, my guest, Washington, 6-3. and three. They're in first place in the NFC East. They've got a big one coming up on Sunday. They're at home against Houston. Mason, I'm looking at my records thing. I'm not sure if you remember or not. I don't think you and I have talked since 2011. Is that possible? Yeah, that is. That's the last time I talked to you. Uh, was my rookie year, man. I remember coming on and talking to you. You know, I'm a big fan of the show, so, you know, it's always a blessing to come talk to Jim Rome. Oh, man, my bad, man. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. That is totally on me, so I'm not going to wait that long to do that again. I'm so glad we got caught up, man. Great to have you on. Have a great weekend, and really good to have you back, Mason. Appreciate you. All right, cool. You have a, cool, you be, you have a good one, Jim. It's the end of an era, the James Kelly era, five days in. He just smashed Hawk up during the break. That was incredible. Welcome back. Good afternoon. Good morning. Let me make sure I cover everybody here. Good afternoon. Good morning. Hello. What's up? It's 5 o'clock somewhere. I'm Jim Rome. Welcome to the program. We are in the Quicken Loan Studios. Apply simply, understand fully, and mortgage confidently. Into our third hour. It's going to be a busy hour. I've got Brian Arakpo coming up. I always look forward to that. That's coming up next segment. I've got James Kelly's week that was. Now, that's something I always look forward to. It's never been done before, but I'm always looking forward to that. The ATP is coming up, too. Hey, Hawk, I know you're just kind of laying it up, skating. You guys are already talking about where you're going to play golf this weekend. Put on the headphones. Let's have a brief conversation. Dude, you uh, look kind of sheepish coming out of that break. And not that normal kind of like moron look you have sometimes, but you look kind of sheepish. Like what happened going into that break? James Kelly's being a huge jerk. So you had just finished uh, that last segment. We go to Hold break. On, now you love James Kelly. Did I, you say he's a huge jerk? He's being a huge jerk. I used to. As I, opposed to a small jerk? Yeah. Average he's jerk? being a huge, above average jerk. Wow. And uh, we had been off the air for two seconds. You just finished the live read going to break. And James Kelly goes, hey, you know where we're going here? Because he's been gripping all week. He wants to get the m- biggest head start he can on the next segment. And I was like, no, James, we've been off the air for two seconds. I don't know where we're going next. And he goes, Kyle would know. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle would know. That's strong. And you said what to that? I didn't say anything because he left for the bathroom after he (laughs) dropped it on me. I just had my jaw on the floor. Kyle would know. And then he was gone. And then you went to the bathroom and you shaved off that stupid porn stash, right? No, you should have, but you should have. All right. So Kyle would know. Hashtag Kyle would know. You know, I guess if I was set up like this and we had merch, that'd be on a coffee mug and out there tomorrow. Kyle would know. So this, this is what's going on. The chemistry's not that strong on the other side of the glass. Not this week. And, and you're like, he's been gripping all week long. I thought he's actually handled himself pretty well all week long. That is not, that is not an easy position to be in. You gotta, he has to follow a legend. Alvin had to follow a legend in Whitey. It took Alvin a little while, but he's settled in. Notice I said it took a little while. James Kelly had to sit right in, and he's been here four days. This is day number five. So I think he's handled himself pretty well. Not according to Hawk. Hey, Hawk, would you say he was gripping prior to him dropping that bomb on you? Or would you have been like, he's handling it pretty well? He's doing fine this week. I mean, he's been fine, but he's just... Translation, he lit you up. Yeah, he did. He's been he's, he's fine, but he's been uptight, and he really took his uptightness off, uh, uptightness off on me just a second ago. Okay, all right, well, stop. I I didn't want you to respond to that. That was more hypothetical. James Kelly's reaction is, I run a professional operation, sir. 
And he does. I don't want to pick sides here. Because, and I don't want to make the analogy that it would be like having to pick kids because you'd be all my black sheeps. I'm not picking sides here. I'm just saying I'm taking James Kelly's side here, Hawk. He has not been gripping. He's handled himself in a very professional manner. He is running a professional operation. And you got to admit, him busting you up with Kyle would know is pretty funny. Now, it is pretty funny that he did hit you up two seconds after the segment with, hey, where's he going next? Where's he going next? And to be fair, so you listeners understand this, this show doesn't run like a lot of other shows where there is a rundown segment by segment. The fact is the guys don't always know where I'm going. The guys do not always know where I'm going. And they would like to know where I'm going. So James Kelly said, hey, Hawk, where's he going? I don't know, James. It's been two seconds. I'll let you know when I know. Kyle would know. James Kelly's feeling it. Quote, preparation is key, sir. How about this one? Preparation breeds confidence, sir. So he's into his last hour. He's selling and he's feeling good. And he's got his week that was coming up. John DL91 tweets, please, I beg of you, don't take the baby in San Antonio's call. War keeping Texas respected. Unwar crying on national sports radio. All right, once again, I have no issue with him getting a little dusty that one time he called. All right, he had just gotten engaged, or he was talking about his fiance, who obviously is his soulmate and his love of his life. They were having a baby. Not only a baby, but that love of his life slash soulmate let him name the baby Jordan, which speaks to exactly how much she knows and how important that is to him. I mean, it's all good. I can see where a guy like that might get dusty, even on national radio. So, wow, James. Harsh. Just trying to run a professional operation here, sir. I want to talk about USC and UCLA. I'm in SoCal. I'm from Los Angeles. That's a big, big time matchup. But that's not as important to me as going to Jeff in San Antonio and getting an update on baby Jordan and his life. So I'm going to skip my take and go right to the call. Jeff in San Antonio. Not only am I taking the call, he's skipping the line. He's cutting the line. I'm going to forget about what I have to say for a minute and go right to the call. In San Antonio, Jeff, I'm looking for the all-important baby Jordan update. My man, Jeff, how you doing, bro? Uh, It's great, Jim. Uh, First of all, happy Thanksgiving. Um, Hope everything goes well for you this season. Um, You've been a huge blessing to me and my family. And the Brian Boyle interview just really, really struck home with me. You know, that dude that says people shouldn't cry on the radio. I'd like to see that guy say that to Brian Boyle. You know, sometimes things just move you and things matter. And you've always gotten that. So I I just want to thank you for that. First of all, like, thank you for everything. You know it. But in in regards to baby Jordan, um, she's awesome. Uh, she's super healthy. She's super happy. She's already bouncing and getting her vertical jumps in. And in the vein of appreciation and being humble, I wanted to kind of reveal something that I've been trying to put together for a very long time. And it looks like maybe through this avenue or just my own wherewithal, um, me and my fiance and baby Jordan, are going to be very much working on a new line of clothing and branding associated with her name um, and the ability, it seems like, to be able to work with Jordan Brand directly. Uh, babyjordan.com will be launching here very soon. 
And I think that I owe you and your show and all your staff a huge debt of gratitude for that. And I just cannot wait for the next stage of our life. And as we continue to go on and on and on, as I tend to do, you have been a huge pillar for us. And it's just remarkable that at this time and this age and all the things that me and my fiance have been through, that we're still working together and that we're, we're able to get to this next stage and beyond. So thank you so much, Jim. I hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving. And that Brian Boyle interview had me in tears. So thank you again for all that you do and what you put on the radio. And war Jim Rome, war myself, war my fiance, and war baby Jordan being better than Harold Miner ever was. Out. You dropped that freaking mic, bro. You dropped that freaking mic. You racked that call harder than anything you've ever racked, James Kelly. Jeff in San Antonio. Wow. There's some amazing stuff in there. First of all, bro, you have an amazing Thanksgiving. You have so much to be thankful for, including baby Jordan, your fiance, and what may be the beginning of something fantastic, the baby Jordan brand. Now, am I mistaken or did he, Jeff say he set up a website, babyjordan.com? Has that launched yet? Man, my man, he might do the impossible. He might be able to get to Michael Jordan when nobody else can. That link right now is not up. I'm looking at it. Or it's crashed. It may not have the bandwidth. That's absolutely incredible. So the dream continues. He is living a dream. Baby Jordan, could you imagine what if Baby Jordan became a thing? What if Baby Jordan became a brand? What if Jeff in San Antonio, the guy that you've all mocked unmercifully, is the guy that can get to MJ? Oh, man. Jeff, brother, I've got your back like you cannot believe. I I so badly want that to happen. I so badly want that for you and for Baby Jordan and mostly for you. All these clones talking junk, mocking you. And I've always respected the fact that you have absolutely no shame about coming on this show and crying. I like it. I respect it. I respect the hell out of it. God, I want Baby Jordan to be a thing. I want Baby Jordan to be a brand so badly. Jeff in San Antonio coming on the show and doing what he does best. Crying and talking about his family. Man, I love that. I couldn't even get, you know, hard. I've gotten to Michael Jordan once on this show and, and he starred in my movie and I still couldn't get him to come on this show. And then I finally did, you know, how hard that was. And Jeff, you know what? But Jeff had a better idea. I wanted to talk to Mike about being in my movie space jam, but that doesn't really help Mike. Jeff may have a better way of going at it. Reginald Merriweather III tweets, <laughs> this guy can't be serious. <laughs> this guy can't be serious. It sounds like he's been crying all week. Reginald, the thing is, the reason it sounds like he's been crying all week is because he has been crying all week. My man Jeff has been crying since he found out that his fiance was going to let him name his baby Jordan. My man hasn't stopped crying since Jordan stepped foot onto this earth. My man's been crying for years. 
all week. Come on. M. Piazza's back knee. That's this guy's handle. He tweets, unwar this guy. War Iray using his tears to take a shower. Hey, Jeff, it looks like it's going to be me and you against the world as always. Let's go to Destin, Florida. Chris in Destin. Good to have you, Chris. How are you? Dude, I'm awesome. I've been listening since 2003, and I have not heard a bigger crybaby bitch than that dude, Jeff. He's talking about Jordan this, Jordan that. That's the worst sales pitch ever. My son, Linus, he's younger than Jordan, and he's already crawling. He's bounced. Jordan's bouncing around. That's garbage. I mean, geez, Jeff, give it up. Either you're a genius with a sales pitch for that baby Jordan line, or you just suck. And I'm pretty sure it's the latter. Jim, since 2003, have you had anybody else this pathetic? War, Jim and Call River, Fall River coming back. What's that in the background? What's that in the background? Wow, Chris and Destin. Chris, that's pretty amazing where you were able to actually imitate the barn animal that he had in the background and me asking him, what is that in the background? What is that in the background? He's right. That's exactly how that call sounded. He said, I've been listening since 2003 and I have never heard a crybaby bitch on this show like that. Is that true, Jim? All right, I'll react. You ask me the question, I'll react. Normally, you've got to come with something stronger than a question. Like, I'm looking for a take, but I'll react to it. I'll answer it. I'm not going to say that I've never, quote, had a bigger crybaby bitch than that guy since 03 or before. But I will say this. I've never had anybody like Jeff in San Antonio on this show before. My man gets worked up. He gets emotional every time he calls the program. And I don't think that's just me or the show. I think probably he's like that. I respect that. You know, there's certain people that if they hear a certain song, they cry. Or if they see a certain commercial, they cry. Or if they see a certain movie, they cry. Or if they hear a certain thing, they cry. They're criers. They're people that are emotional. There's some people who never, ever cry. Like their tear ducts are dry. Come on, James, wake up. And Hitman Canadian tweets, baby Jordan clothing line. Is he selling clothing made of tissues? At Stephen PHX tweets, we'll give Jeff something to cry about. Regards 45's lawyers shutting down babyjordan.com. It's Friday, and if you've got work to get done this weekend, get to Ferguson. Listen to this. No matter how big or small your team is, Ferguson has a winning game plan for pro contractors with thousands of plumbing repair parts, knowledgeable associates, and the largest national footprint in the game. When the pressure is on, you can count on Ferguson. We're joined right now by a four-time Pro Bowler. He had three tackles in Sunday's win over New England, a linebacker for the Titans. He won the Nagurski. Lombardi and Hendricks Award at Texas. He was the 13th pick overall back in 09. Tennessee's 5-4. and four. They're in second in the AFC South, and they're at Indianapolis on Sunday. Of course, a CBS game. Brian Arakpo is my guest. Brian, great to have you back. How are you? What's going on, Jim? Glad to be back. Always good to have you on, Brian. I always look forward to it. Let me ask you first about last week. 
Every time I have a defensive player on the show, Brian, they talk about facing Tom Brady, and every guy says the exact same thing. You've got to make him uncomfortable. Everybody knows what to do, but so few teams are able to actually do it. How were you able to do it, and then how satisfying was it? Yeah, very satisfying. Um, everybody knows the, the 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 recipe to defeat Tom Brady, or to at least give yourself a chance, and you got to put pressure on him, make him uncomfortable. We was able to do so. We mixed and disguised a bunch of different things. It's a great scheme we had throughout the week, and um, we just emphasized always putting pressure in the middle of the pocket, make it, even if you don't get the sack, just make it uncomfortable while he's up there in the pocket. And I uh, thought we did a great job, and that's why we was able to have so much success on Sunday. Brian Arapo joining us. You know, obviously you want to get pressure on him, and he gets it out so quickly. Can you actually confuse the guy? I mean, the guy has seen absolutely everything whatsoever. Do you feel like you had some success in throwing different looks at him? Were you able to confuse him at all? I wouldn't say confuse him. I was just, things were finally clicking um, up front. And also, let's give credit to our defense backs. They did a tremendous job giving us that extra second or two um, to get in the pocket and to make his throws erratic and maybe get some quarterback hits and also some sacks. So it's hard to confuse a guy like Tom Brady at the end of the day, but if things are coming through, we're getting in the middle of the pocket, we're, we're, we're hitting them, um, then, then you're going to have a pretty much a good day. Brian Arakpo joining us. After the game, guys were talking about Mike Vrabel's message, and his point was make sure the Patriots feel everything on every single hit. So, Brian, how much of Sunday's win was a statement about your identity as a defense? Well, you know, our defense, we, we're we really clicking on all cylinders right now. Um, not to get too high or too low, but, you know, things are working for us. The scheme is great. we got a lot of great underrated players on the defense that are just some ball hogs and just some savages out there that just go out there and play some, some great football together. Um, and that's why we're having so much success defensively this year. And offense did a tremendous job just – scoring in the red zone and then once we were able to get back out there we were able to get some three and outs and keep giving the ball back but and just hats off to our defense man they're playing extremely well um and and we're just going to continue to improve week in and week out and get ready for this Colts game so obviously you remember Mike Vrabel as a player he played not that long ago what's it been like to play for him so far oh it's fun it's fun especially for me you know he played my position outside backer so he knows what I see out there we have some the same eyes so when I'm talking he understands what's going on, uh, and he can help me on the sideline. I never had a head coach on the sideline that's with me, you know, co-help coaching me, help uh, helping me see uh, different things. You know, normally a head coach is an offensive-minded guy, uh, and it's definitely unique and fun to have uh, my head coaches on the um, on our side of the ball. Brian Rackpo joining us. Brian, you're in your 10th season, and you're still playing at a really high level. You battled through some really serious injuries earlier in your career. So how much pride is there for you to still be playing at this level so deep into your career? Man, uh, man, just just very blessed, you know, uh, just to continue to still be doing what I'm doing, at, at, at like you said, at a high level. Um, I feel like I'm in great shape. My body feels amazing. Um, it just – Going out there and just helping helping the young guys, but at the, at the same time, just continue to try and make plays for our, for our defense. Um, you know, I remember at one point I was a young guy in the huddle, uh, just trying to get my feet wet at, at 22, 23 years old. Now I'm the oldest in the huddle, myself and Woody are. Uh, and it's, it's funny, we're teaching, but at the same time, we're still out there making plays. Uh, and it's just fun, it's gratifying to know that hard work really does pay off. And, 
you know, it's just fun to go out there and compete. Honestly, you two dudes are two of my favorite guys. Woodyard, too. He's come on the show like you have for so many years. Like, now guys look to you. Guys gravitate to you. They want to pick your brain. When you first got into it on that level in the league, who were some of the guys that you went to and some of the guys that you wanted to chat up? Oh, man. I, I had a bunch of them. Uh, London Fletcher just comes to mind. Uh, he was a guy that I learned a lot as far as leadership and the way you take care of your body and the maturity you need to be in this league and play at a high level when you get older. Uh, Andre Carter was another one, a former defensive end uh, for the for the Washington Redskins. Um, it's just a bunch of guys, man. Those, but those guys really come to mind when uh, teach me how to be a professional at a very young age, man. And I always think young guys should gravitate or learn a few things from the older guys because I'm telling you, it'll carry you a long way. Brian Arakpo joining us. Brian, you have gotten into something off the field. This is fascinating. I can't wait to talk to you about this. You and your former teammate Michael Griffin opened up a Gigi's Cupcake Shop outside of Austin. First of all, what was it about the cupcake business that got you interested? <laughs> well, I love sweets. You know, myself and Griff, we always get together every offseason, and we always, you know, have dinner, hang out. And we always end up at some type of sweet spot, you know, it's candy cupcakes, just any type of deal and we and we ended up at this one cupcake store and we put two and two together we both played for the tennessee titans uh we know how famous ggs is in nashville it didn't gravitate to the austin market yet so we just made some calls and long story short we we built the ggs cupcakes from ground up and we put it in austin and uh it's thriving ever since. Right now, one of the things you've talked about is that in the cupcake business, obviously this is very different than the football business, or as yeah. you put it, quote, I've got to tone the rack down. I've been more Brian these days. So how do you go about <laughs> making that change? What's that been like? Yeah, that, that definitely was, uh, was tough at first because when, you, when you're dealing with um, a locker room and you're dealing with, you know, the football mentality, everything is is is, is a lot of pressure. It's, a, it's always wanting to be Great, you know, it's always, you know, just it's a lot of pressure, and it's no time for sick days and things of that nature. But now you're dealing in in the retail business and and, you, and, the, and the cupcake business. Um, it's a little bit different. You're baking, you're decorating, you know, so everything is delicate. Everything is, you know, you're wearing pink aprons and things of that nature. So uh, it's just it's just a different mentality. I can't really do the be the rack attack that I normally am on the football field. Turning to Brian, kind of tone it down a little bit. And then you can sell some customers and put a smile on customers' face. No, right? I mean, there's something to be said. Like, if you have an issue with somebody or something, you can just line up and, and hit them in the head, but not in that line of work. In fact, Griffin said it's tougher than playing football. There have been some really long hours in the offseason. It's different, but is it harder than playing football? Because that's what Griff said. Well, it's a different It's a different mentality. It's not definitely, physically, it's not harder. All right. Mean, that's. That's a no-brainer, but it's a definitely a different mentality. It's a lot more hours. We literally were from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. at one time just in training, through, just trying to learn the ins and outs of the business, trying to learn how to sell to customers, make please customers, make them happy, how to learn and make different different things. Um, I mean, we literally built the store from ground up, and at the same time we had to learn the concept of the store from ground up. So definitely was challenging because we're coming to it from football players that knew nothing about baking. And now we're trying to run a business. So 
definitely had his trying times, but I think we mastered it so far. I love it. I love it. And the thing I really respect about that, you clearly did not scratch a check and then just kind of leave it to somebody else. You've done this thing. You two of you guys learned the business and built it from the ground up. Now, you and I have been talking for a long, long time, and I always look forward to the conversation. You've been referred to as an old soul in the past. And earlier this season, Brian, I thought you did a beautiful video with the team where you talked about your mother, Gloria, and how that old soul vibe kind of comes from her. What did she teach you growing up? What was she like? Yeah, she was, uh, man, just a hardworking woman, uh, a woman that I learned a lot of my maturity from um, and being responsible. Me being the oldest sibling and her, you know, just working extremely hard um, and, and trying to give us the best life that she can possibly ha- uh, can, um, it just kind of translated to, to who I am today. Um, you know, I can't thank my mom enough for just making sure that we was always comfortable and content with you know, being being a successful man that I am today. And, you know, like I said, I learned a lot of, of maturity and responsibility at a very young age, and it kind of carried that, that those traits uh, up until today. It's great. A four-time Pro Bowler. Tennessee is 5-4. and four. They're second in the AFC South. He was the 13th pick overall in the 2009 draft. Also an owner and operator of a GG's Cupcake business. Brian, so good to have you back on. I always look forward to the conversation. Like I mentioned, great to have you back. I know we'll do it again. I appreciate the relationship. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Time for the week that was. This is a nearly impossible thing to execute. Remember the guy with the ponytail? He was trained in this business. He tried to do it. I ripped it halfway through. And if memory serves, either I went to Mike and Indy or I went to Larry. I may have even gone to Larry. So James Kelly, who Adam Hawk accused of gripping all week long, wants it. He wants the platform. He wants the spotlight. Bro, it's all you. It is time now. Alvin has been in Italy all week. It is time for all of us to take a look back on the amazing week that was. James, do your thing. Shoot your shot. Welcome to the jungle. What's up? A very good Monday to you. My name is Jim Rome. Hope you had a great weekend. Fabian. Fabian, what's up? Romy. What's up with that dude, Quadre Addison, man? Dog Dog says, you know, you know, you know, even way more than I do. What's up with that man? You know, you know, you know. You know. Ken in Linden, Washington. Romy, thanks for the vine. I was... Go ahead, Ken. You're all right. Or now you're not. Triple cheeseburger, McCarthy. Baby Jordan, um, she's awesome. Uh, she's super healthy. She's super happy. She's already bouncing and getting her vertical jumps in. And I have not heard a bigger crybaby bitch than that dude, Jeff. And as we continue to go on and on and on, as I tend to do, you have been a huge pillar for us. War, Jim and Carl River. I got to jump in on you now. Ponytail dude. All right, this is not an easy thing to do. You did a good job. You did a nice, that was a good, strong first effort. Good job. Good night now. 